It's good to be with each of you this morning. We're going to continue in our teaching time. And, you know, the Olympics are scheduled to come up shortly. And one of the interesting things that they say about Olympians is that those who win a bronze medal at the Olympics are often much happier and much more satisfied than those who win a silver medal. If you win a silver medal, you're constantly thinking, I was so close to getting the gold medal. Maybe a millisecond, if it's in running or something like that. You're so close. If I just pushed my body a little bit harder, maybe I would have got that gold medal. But they say bronze medal winners, they're just happy to get a medal. They're just happy to get onto the podium and get uh, be able to represent the country in that way. And as I think about that, it's all about perspective. It's all about the perspective that we have. And this virus right now around our world, some people experience fear around it, other people apathy. They just, they really don't care about it in any way. It's the exact same information that they have. They're dealing with all the same knowledge and un- understanding of what's happening. But the response, even in this room, will be varied from person to person. And it's all because of perspective. Perspective affects everything. And there's this perspective that Jesus has when he would talk with people and when he would teach them. Uh, and if I were to ask you what is um, the gospel, you'd probably say the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's true. But more to the gospel, what is the gospel message? Everything that Jesus talks about, if you look through the gospel, then you uh, take a take a look at everything he's teaching it all focuses around one theme and it's either referred to as the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven everything points back to the kingdom of god the kingdom of heaven and jesus is constantly trying to get his followers the people he's teaching you and i now as we come to the word to think beyond these moments that we're in and think about the kingdom of heaven The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is the central message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is constantly teaching about this. And so, uh, of course, we see the other writers in the New Testament, they're going to follow a similar theme. And they're not going to be talking about other things that don't matter. They're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven as well. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. And he has this kingdom perspective that he encourages each of us to have as we're in the midst of some of the hard things that we have to go through in life. And Paul is teaching about the kingdom of God today. And he says um, what we're going to look at in the text, when you're in the middle of some really hard challenges in your life, don't lose your perspective on what the kingdom of God is like. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter one. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get ready to take a look at that. Philippians chapter one. And I'm going to give you a bit of context to what Paul is writing about here and why he's writing in this way. So this is written to a church that he had planted, and he planted it around the year 52 AD. And so about 20 years after he plants or starts uh, this church, he now writes back to them and he gives them a little letter and he gives them an update on how he's doing. And he's asking them and he's giving them a little bit of instruction in this letter as well. And so we see Paul, as he writes this letter to this church about 20 years after he's planted it in the future, or in the past, uh, he's writing to them because he is now in a significant time of need in his own life. And what this little church did uh, that he planted many years before, they took up a love offering for him. Uh, They knew that he was struggling, and so they took up an offering, and they gave him a very generous gift, 
And normally we see the Apostle Paul, he, would, uh, he wouldn't accept these types of gifts. Uh, he liked to work for the ministry that he was doing, and he said, I never want to be a burden on people. I've always worked for the ministry. I've never imposed on the, these churches that I've been a part of for a financial gift. But because of his relationship with this church that he's planted, he receives this gift. And he's surprised by it. It must have been a significant amount because he writes the letter of Philippians and he gives, he gives them this uh, thankful response to that gift. And so there's a theme in this letter that rises to the top, and that's the theme of joy. In fact, the theme of joy or rejoice or similar words like that are uh, given about 19 different times in this letter. And you're going to see this massive joy come out of the Apostle Paul, who in this moment really had no reason to be joyful at all. And I'm going to tell you why that is. I want to give you a piece of information this morning that might change your perspective on how you hear this. And I love when my perspectives can be changed. I often pray that way. Lord, would you open my mind? Would you give me a new perspective around this issue that I'm working through? I don't know if you've ever met someone and you thought, man, I don't really like that person. Have you ever <laughs> met someone like that? Yes. Di has, yeah. Thank you, Di. Um, you're the only one here. <laughs> Not true. How many of you ever met someone and you said, I just, there's something about them, I don't like them, right? And you're maybe thinking the person sitting beside me right now. No, that's not it. But then you you hear their story and you find out what they've been through. Or you find out what they're going through in that moment. And you say, oh, there's something more going on here. And maybe your heart softened towards that person. And it, what happens is your perspective about that person changes. I love when that happens. And it could be that you're having a bad day, you know, and you're uh, stuck in traffic. And then you hear someone else is having a really bad day. Something really hard is going on in your life. And you're saying, oh, my day's actually not all that bad. You have a change in perspective. And so what I want to do with us this morning is just give us a little piece of information that might change our perspective on the way uh, we experience and walk through life, and especially when we hear about some of these things that are happening in our world and going on right now. So we see that the Apostle Paul is actually writing this letter that's full of joy as he is on house arrest. He's imprisoned for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Acts chapter 28, it shows us that he spent two years under house arrest simply for preaching the gospel. If you can imagine two years, he is in prison, he's chained up, he's literally chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. And if you know Paul, his greatest dream was always to take the gospel to Rome. This was everything he talks about early in his ministry, he wants to get to Rome, and he wants to share the gospel in Rome. He wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but now he is in Rome as a prisoner. And we're going to watch him and see, and see he has this really amazing kingdom perspective this morning that even in the midst of being in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, we're going to see that God gives him incredible joy. And I think if this is his circumstances, um, it doesn't matter what any of our circumstances are, that we can have joy. That if there's some real challenges in your life right now, that God can still give you joy if you have the right perspective. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 and hoping that God will give us 
his perspective this morning. So Paul writes this to his church, and he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you've got to listen to his emotion here. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray. And here's he's going to say it for the first time. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. Now watch him encourage the people. He says, and he says this, he's talking about God. He said that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains, if I'm a prisoner or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And there you see him saying, if I'm in chains, even if I'm in chains, and he knows as if any one of our family members was in chains and was in prison right now, that we would be worried about our family members. He knows this church that he's writing to, they're going to be worried about him. What, Paul, you're in prison in Rome? We're concerned about you. And he's saying you don't need to be concerned. If Paul, he, he had absolutely every right to say, God, would you just change my circumstances right now? I'm here working for you. I'm just trying to serve you, God. Would you change my circumstances? And, you know, each one of us, we have this too. If I look back at my week, there's multiple times I've prayed and I said, God, would you change this? Would you move this out of the way? Would you help me in this area? Would you change the circumstances? You know, I wonder how many of us right now have something in our life that we just wish was different. I would imagine almost everyone in the room, at least one thing in our lives that we would say, I wish this one thing was a little bit different. I just wish that God would change this about my life. I wish something was different. Chances are, almost in every season of all of our lives, that there were times we said, I wish something wasn't the way that it is right now. You know, it, when you're young, I remember being young, and I said to, <laughs> I'm still learning the humor. I, I'm not trying to be, you know, sometimes I try to uh, put humor, and nothing happens, and then others, that's, I don't get you. That's okay. Anyways, you know, I rem- when I was a child, <laughs> when I was a child, I remember thinking, I just can't wait till I'm going to be older. I can't wait till I'm in my like 20s and my 30s. Life's going to be so easy then. Everything's going to make sense. Right? This is what children do. And then when you get older, what do you wish? I wish I was younger. I wish I was a child again. Oh, it was so easy and I never had any issues. Right? People, this is how people are. We're not satisfied. And sometimes we say, I wish I wasn't doing the work that I'm doing right now. I wish I had a different job. I wish I was someplace else. Um, you know, we can get trapped in this way of thinking and we're always stuck in that area. And you may say, I wish, uh, you know, I lived in a different city or had different friends or a different house. I wish, um, you know, I was married or I wish my spouse was different or I wish my kids were different than the way they were. Whatever it is, we say, you know, I wish this thing was different. And last week, Pastor Morris, he spoke um, about paradoxes. And he shared the scripture from the book of Job where Job came to realize that God is so much beyond our comprehension and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But despite all these things, he is good to us. He is nonstop good to us. 
And God is working in all things to bring about good. God has a reason, whatever it is in your life today, that you say, I wish this was different. I wonder if you would trust that God has a reason for whatever it is you're going on in your life right now that you wish was different. Because this is the Apostle Paul here, and he's saying, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, but I'm not going to try to get out of this. I'm going to try to look for what God has for me in this moment. So look at verse 12. Paul says to the people in Philippi, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, and I would just say, we're going to find out what happened to him, but what's happened to you? Not necessarily what did you do, but what has happened to you? Maybe finances are in a hard place right now. Maybe it's a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's a relationship that's uh, broken in this moment. Maybe you've hit a dead end in some way. I wonder what's happened to you that you really didn't plan on it happening to you. Look at Paul's perspective. He says this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, it looks bad, but it's really served to, and this is the scripture's words, advance the gospel. What's happened to me, it's caused the the advancement, the gospel to go out. And that word advance, when we uh, translate from the original language, it's this military term, like moving forward. It's described as when a group of troops were actually on the move to attack and go out. And very literally, it's often used as a group that goes out ahead of the army and clears the underbrush or clears all the obstacles so the army can come along. And so here's Paul, he's in prison, and he's saying, this situation that I'm in right now is actually advanced the gospel to go out. It's like that, that army, that party that goes out first to clear the way, that circumstance that he's in, is allowing the gospel to go out. And Paul's saying that what looks really bad is actually something that God is doing something really amazing in. So a lot of times we go to this place and we say, this isn't good. I don't see how God's working right now. What's God doing in the world in this moment? Why is all this chaos going on? I don't feel his presence. I don't understand. There's nothing good that can come out of this situation. That's what I say. That's my own experience. What possible good could come out of this that I'm going through right now? I want to encourage us this morning to stop and to have a change of perspective when we reach that place and realize that God is big enough and he even specializes in working through things that we don't understand. That God is moving and working in things that we can't quite comprehend. We serve a God who can turn what we see as obstacles what we see is chaos into opportunities for him to show himself to us and to other people. We serve a God that can take setbacks and he can turn them into good things. We could call them setups for what he wants to do so that he can be glorified. And Paul is like, you know, he's a literal prison. You may have felt in prison. You may feel imprisoned in a relationship in some sort of circumstance in your workplace. Whatever it is right now, you may feel like that. And Paul says, I'm chained up to this thing. And you say, I'm chained to this thing right now. But Paul, he has this amazing perspective. He's focused on the kingdom of heaven because his prison now becomes his pulpit. He always wanted to get to Rome. And now here he is in Rome. And yes, he's in a jail, but he's in a place that he can actually get the gospel out. And we're going to see how that happens. God can use the things that we struggle with 
the things that we would never choose for our own life, for our family members, he can use those things for his glory. And I just want to give a quick illustration around this. My kids and my wife, they've been reading through um, the story of David Livingston. He's a missionary. He was a Scottish missionary, and he was an explorer who spent 33 years in the heart of Africa. He's one of the first missionaries that opened up that continent to uh, missions work and the gospel to go out there. And he had to go through some incredible stories. If you ever get the chance to read his story, it's absolutely amazing. Look, Look at what he said. Uh, he said, people talk about the sacrifice that I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which I can never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege, anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger now and then, foregoing the common conveniences and the charities of this life may make us pause and cause my spirit to waver and my soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall come and be revealed in and for us. He said, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk. When we remember the great sacrifices which he made, who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. I love this. Here's a man, his stories are incredible. The sacrifices, things that he had to overcome in bringing the gospel into that continent. And he's saying, it's no sacrifice. Because his perspective, the way he's thinking is beyond himself. And it's on the kingdom of heaven. It's about what more is happening. It's about who God is. And, and if we want to get caught up in ourselves and think, what sacrifice have I made for the Lord? Look at my servant heart. He says, just stop. That's nothing compared to Jesus Christ leaving his throne and coming and paying the sacrifice for us. You know, we see that type of perspective all throughout the New Testament, that that we're called to think higher about who God is and about what he's doing. And we see Jesus, he often uses this language. He says, um, he who has ears to hear and eyes to see, uh, let him hear or let him see. He uses that language quite a bit. And it's like he's saying, if you can have this right perspective to hear the right way about what I'm doing, what, what Jesus is doing, what God is doing, then hear and change your perspective that way. Then see these things. And it's like when we're in the midst of challenging circumstances, this is a great thing to pray to God. God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear you in this moment. He'll give you those eyes to see. He'll give you those ears to hear. You know, God said, I can use this thing that you would never want, that you never wanted in your life. I can use it and I can do something good from it if you trust me. And if you pray when you're in those moments, God, this situation is out of control right now. Uh, Rather than just praying, Lord, would you stop it? Would you take it away from me? If you engage the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this moment? Uh, Lord, how can I have a kingdom perspective in this moment? How can I share the gospel through this, in this moment, in this pain and trials that I'm going through? God can use those types of things. And in verse 13, we see the story come to life. It says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Wait a minute. If you're reading this, we're saying, what? 
Uh, no, Paul, you're in chains for preaching about Christ. And they're going to be saying, these soldiers, everyone in the palace guard, they're saying, no, we're punishing you, Paul. Why are you so happy about this? And Paul's saying, you know, listen, there's actually some good things that are going on here because I am able to share the gospel to the whole palace guard. And these are incredibly uh, influential people. When we look at history, these Roman guards, they, every six hours, a different guard would be chained to Paul. The shifts would change. And so here's Paul, six hours chained to someone. Can you imagine this? If you're an evangelist, <laughs> if you're an evangelist and you're chained to someone for six hours, what are you going to be talking to them about? Right? And this is his perspective. He's like, I'm going to talk to this person for six hours, then the next person, then the next person. And now the whole palace guard, the scriptures say, uh, knows the gospel. Whether they believe it or not, the word is going out. And so Paul says, you know, you think I'm chained and I can't preach, but you've forgotten who I'm chained to. My heart, he says, has always been to reach Rome. We see this in other letters. His heart always been to reach Rome. And now here he is in Rome with the most influential people. The way that his message can get out is absolutely beautiful. This is God working. And Paul's saying, you've given me a captive audience. <laughs> Some of the most powerful people in Rome. And we start to look this through and say, who is the real prisoner in this story? <laughs> this is the right perspective. So, you know, we, when we go through these things, some things that are very difficult, I want you to know that your test that you endure today, the stuff you're going through right now, it could actually become your testimony in a season from now. And because I've heard some of your testimonies in the sermon, some of them are absolutely incredible, the way God's worked in your life. But I can guarantee you, in those moments where you were walking in trials and pain and hardships, that was not your testimony in that moment. You were holding on. Your faith was holding on to God in that moment. But now you look back, and that's now your testimony of how God worked. This is how testimonies work. And so your test right now... Uh, if you are approaching it in the, with the right perspective that, God, what are you doing in this moment? How can I worship you? How can I live my life for you? How can I serve others and reach out and help others in this moment? Uh, if you have that perspective, it can for sure become your testimony in the future. I want to close with this uh, verse, verse 14. Uh, he says, because of my chains, most of... The brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Because of Paul's chains, now all these other Christians are, have more courage to speak the word without fear. God's giving them more courage and the gospel's going out in ways that it never would have went out unless Paul was in that very specific circumstance. The reason it's affecting people is because they're under persecution and persecution um, is, a, is a, a great place for the gospel to go out. Uh, you know, we see this in our own world here in New Zealand. It's very comfortable and pros prosperous here. And it's hard when everyone has everything they already need to share your faith and say, but there's one thing you're not, that you, there's one thing you don't have. But when there's persecution, when people, all they have to hold on to is their faith, the gospel advances in some incredible ways. And so, um, the last verse here, it says there's some division going on, and he just wants to touch on this a little bit in the church, because some people have different motives for preaching the gospel, 
And he says, it's true that some preach Christ out of the envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He said, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Then in verse 18, he asks a question. He says, but what does it matter? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. This is like his perspective. He's like, I'm not even... Listen, you go to 1 Corinthians, other passages, Paul's talking to the church, and he's very direct about their issues. And he's like, I'm going to approach you on these. These are not okay. Stop fighting. Stop all these things you're doing. Here he's like, I'm not even going to invest time in working this through with you. He's like, my perspective in this moment is, if Christ is being preached, that's what matters. Uh, whatever your motives are, Christ needs to be preached. That's what I care about in this moment in, as I'm in prison. That's what I care about. That's the most important thing. And I often say to myself, is this issue that I'm working through right now, is it going to matter in 100 years from now? No. Is it going to matter in a month from now? Probably not. In a week from now? Probably not. When we can uh, stop focusing all of our attention on the things that don't really matter and put our attention on the one thing that does matter, uh, life starts to make sense for us. When we can take our attention off off of, oh, this person did that to me, I was wrong, why don't I make enough money, whatever it is in your life, my health stuff, we can take our attention off that and focus on God and his kingdom and the things that he's called us to do, to love him and to love our neighbors, life starts to make much more sense for us. The kingdom matters more than anything else in our life. It mattered to Jesus to say it over and over and over again. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It matters to the apostles as they teach. It's all about the kingdom. So Paul says, the last statement, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ. In other words, if I continue living, I represent Christ. He says, I'm dead to myself. I'm going to live for him. My life is not my own. It's all about him. So for me to live is good. I represent Christ. But to die is gain too, because then I get to be with Christ. This is his perspective. In a Roman prison, Paul's writing this joy-filled letter. He's awaiting a trial to determine whether he would live or die. Uh, He's literally on death row. Is he going to be killed for sharing his faith or not? He says, if I live, great. That means I get to continue sharing the gospel, sharing with others. And if I die, great too, because I am with King Jesus. These are eyes to see and ears to hear. He has these, and he's seen it so clearly. It doesn't make sense to us looking from the outside, but for Paul, it made complete sense. And Jesus, he wants us to have this type of perspective as well. So when we say, what do you want to do through me, God? What do you want to show me in this time? What do you want to do through this attack that's going on in our world with this virus? God, how can I share your glory? How can I share your goodness and your hope and your life in the midst of all of this? Um, We start to say, yeah, that's the stuff that matters. The other stuff doesn't really matter. And and this is where Christians, our faith really comes into practice. Do we believe it or not? That, That if we live, it's great for Christ. And if we die, great for Christ. We're with him. This is a big faith issue and I would challenge each of us to think of that way today is that the place in our life do we need to grow into that a little bit more 
So I close with just this picture. Just picture you're at the end of your life. You're an old man, an old woman. You're on your last breath. You've lived a great life. You have an amazing family. You loved your job. You went to church all the time. Everything was great for you. You're leaving your family an inheritance. Things are good. You breathe out, and you take that last breath. Suddenly, you are in the presence of the King of Heaven. In that moment, you'll be welcomed into the fullness of the Kingdom of God. That will be the time when everything else that you worried about, that you stressed about, that you feared, that you lost sleep over, will all just pass away. And Paul is trying to encourage us with that word today. That we don't need to wait until our last breath when we gain an understanding of what really matters. We can live in that fullness now, whether you are 14 years old or 90 years old, that we can take a hold of that kingdom perspective now and walk in the fullness of that.